podcast recorded November 21st, 2019. My name is Ian and I live on a small hobby farm in BC. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, reloader, and my farm is designated handyman. Eric's unable to join us tonight. He decided to put his family first. What a jerk. What a guy. <laughs> uh, I'm Alan. My friends and family call me a safety nerd. Uh, uh background as a first responder to develop my mind for safety i teach first aid coach my family and friends to be better prepared i'm a locksmith by trade and have worked in the physical security industry for more than 20 years now hello everyone uh my name is tyler i'm a new guest on the podcast here i'm 25 years old and i'm broadcasting from my five acre homestead here in northwestern wisconsin usa i grew up on a small hobby farm in minnesota raising variety of livestock including pigs goats chickens horses cows and much more uh, upon completion of high school, I went on to receive my bachelor's degree in agricultural engineering. After being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at 19, I began to refocus my life and take a serious look at the food crisis and civil unrest our world is facing. Since purchasing my first house, I've been working to turn my property into a self-sufficient homestead with an emphasis on preparedness. Right that, was a, uh, that was an agricultural engineer, is that right? That's correct, yep, agricultural not, engineering. Not an afternoon engineer, as Ian introduced us. <laughs> so my autocorrect called you an afternoon engineer, and I was like, what, what is exactly an afternoon engineer? Like, thank, thanks, Apple, that's, that's a great job you did there. Anyway, well, there's probably some hangover jokes in there somewhere, but <laughs> anyway. So if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at www.rapidsurvival.com. All the proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Canadian Prepper Podcast and submit a review on iTunes or wherever you like. We also want to hear your feedback, good or bad. Let us know if there is a topic you want us to cover or if you like or dislike what we're doing. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, dad joke time. We have some reinforced content for you this episode. We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we're going to let you know how we improved our preparedness since our last episode, and then we'll get into the main topic for the episode, which is host fortifications for emergencies. News time. Uh, I skipped the news because, um, well, the news sucks, and I'm trying to stay positive this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's no good news, is there? There's uh, never good news. Doesn't seem like it these days. Yeah, so well, I got a few. Um, so the first one I start off with is, is, turns out Canada has a debt issue. Who knew? In things that surprise no one. <laughs> yeah. So I guess in the last four years, I mean, I'm not going to point fingers, but anyway, uh, in the last four years, turns out we've racked up more debt than ever before and uh, reached a all-time high for, and this is adjusted for inflation and, you know, in today's dollars and everything else, uh, of all time for the country, for our, uh, the average person. The debt levels are ludicrous. So Makes you feel proud, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess we're number one in something. And in the developed world, we have the highest per capita debt load now. That's sweet. That's awesome. Just, just swell. <laughs> so, anyways, you can prepare accordingly for that one, I guess. Uh, yeah, physical gold, uh, you know, lots of food storage, everything else. But, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, the only, val- the only precious metal will be lead. That's true. Anyways, uh, next one is, uh, actually might come into play for you there as well, Tyler, is the, uh, the harvest from hell. So uh, we've still got millions of acres of canola, uh, which is uh, also known as rapeseed and a bunch of other terms, but uh, mm-hmm. it's our main oil crop uh, under snow still. Okay. So yeah, uh, yeah we have 2.7 million acres of canola that was left basically buried and unharvested this year, which is, I think represents about 13 or 14% of the crop. Mm-hmm. So awesome. that's yeah. going to, 
That's I know the happen. farmers here had a tough spring too. It uh, it just never stopped raining. They had a hard time getting everything in the ground, and and it was kind of the same story this fall. I think finally just now it, it got cold there for a while, and the ground finally froze. They were able to get out and get all the corn and soybeans and stuff in. Yeah, like I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. You had the flooding in the spring, and now you've got the uh, the extra, the early snow. So that's going to definitely affect food prices. Anything with canola oil, that's everything from veggie dips to cooking oil to mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's amazing how much stuff has canola oil in it. So. Everything, everything, everything. It's, it's it's like corn. Everything has corn in it. <laughs> um, yeah, I know the the field behind my house, which is rotating usually between soybeans and corn year over year. Uh, this year it was beans, and it didn't go in until July, and now it's uh, yeah. December, and that field has not been touched. So it's I don't think those are being harvested this year for for that that exact reason. Yeah, yeah, I know there's a lot of farmers around here too that just cashed in on insurance because there was no way they're going to ever get get a long enough growing season out of it <clears throat> well, an, an interesting thing is that there were a whole lot of people around here that planted after the insurance cut off really interesting. So is, uh, they don't get in yeah. any trouble for that or well i mean if, as long as you harvest you don't get in any trouble for it oh, i but, suppose yeah um huh. it could it could prove to be a problem this yeah. this, this time of year right <clears throat> Um, so I, this, this article, I'm definitely going to share on the other podcasts as well. But, um, last one I put in here was Quebec is going to be out of propane in a few days. So just like in general. Yeah. So the funny thing is I, I'm trying to dance around the political aspect for the other podcast, but from the preparedness aspect, um, they decided they didn't want a pipeline going into Quebec. So they decided to travel everything by, or transport everything by train. Right. So that includes all the propane supplies. Well, the, the train people are on strike now. Yep. So basically all their bulk propane shipments have stopped and they only have a three and a half day supply of propane left in the cold season. Hmm. So, so they're, it, and of course last week they were busy telling Alberta to go get stuffed and how they didn't want their dirty oil and oil products. And, and, you know, rail was just a fine way of doing things. And now not even a week later, they're kind of in dire straits. So hmm. <laughs> there's a lot to be said there, but the, from the supply aspect, um, yeah, they're all, all sort of propane, so having your own stockpile might not be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always good to have on hand. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, if you're tuning in from the States, you probably haven't heard much else uh, other than the impeachment inquiry. You know, that's all I've seen on the news. <laughs> um, I don't even know what to say about that, but uh, I can't keep up with it, to be quite honest. Um it's well, the problem of, is that both sides, th- both sides seems to think they're winning at this exact. Yeah, point. it's just a he said, she said, if, if you ask yeah. me. Um, and I, I, I sit down and read the news for 30, 40 minutes a day while I'm on break at work and stuff, and and I can't even keep up with it then. And I don't know. Well, it's a typical politicians of both stripes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell they're lying because their mouth is moving, but right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I'm almost to the point now where I think I'd actually pay extra just to not watch some of this stuff. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah, that's what I've done. Just kind of started to tune out. But uh, on a more positive note, uh, just last night in the local paper, um, article reads: Sheriff secures military grade equipment for deputies. Uh, just read a few sentences out of here. Uh, Polk County deputies are better prepared to perform their duties today, due to the federal 1033 asset shared program, asset sharing program. This program guarantees the free use of excess military-grade equipment for local police departments while only paying for shipping costs. And they talked about getting uh, grade-A medical kits, scopes, and lights. The problem is that people read medical-grade and think that that's something super heavy-duty, but what it really means is really cheap to, pr- to mass-produce right. and disposable. <clears throat> yeah. oh, mil- military-grade, you mean? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, or, or built by the lowest bidder. That's the other way. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Everything's built by the lowest bidder. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. just, a, that's just a given. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's uh, I mean, there's a fine line between, is it going to, you know, increase the, the authoritarian police state or is it just going to be like, help them do their job better, which in you know, this right. case, obviously it is. Right. And Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> I, you would hope that having more medical equipment and, you know, maybe some night vision might actually help them do their job better. So, which is good. Exactly. Yep. Well, you think. All right. Well, uh, what we've done lately for preps is coming up next here. So uh, we actually have a review pending on the Get Out, Stay Out Campfire Grill. We're just waiting on that one to show up. I just got some some word on that one. Fantastic. Um, yeah, you were showing, some, showing us some pictures. It looks like it's out, being actually put through its paces pretty thoroughly. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to the tra uh, Transport Candy Guru giving us a, a review on that one. Hint, hint. And uh, other than that, I guess we should move on to what we've actually done. Al? Um, this week, uh, last couple of weeks, well, um, since the last episode, because it has been a while, um, met up actually with Eric. Um, he acquired a new shotgun. I acquired um, some new communication equipment as a result of that meetup, um, as well as a couple of, you know, beers going downrange and things like that. But, um, so that was fun. Um, got, uh, so we've, we've improved our communication ability. Uh, not without relying on cell phone grids. Um, got some more work done on my car, so it's running in tip-top shape. Um, fixed up all of our uh, our winter our winter gear bags so that all the cars are ready for uh, ready to be stranded if need be or ready to stay in town so we don't have to make the run back. Um, not sure how that's going to work this year. We did that a few times last year when the weather was bad, but we didn't have a dog last year, so. Um, Hopefully that that's going to become our, our last resort, and we're planning we're planning to avoid that if we as much as we can. Um, otherwise, got some uh, get some renovate some renovations done around the uh, around the house again, make it a little bit more uh, sustainable and and uh, um, user friendly in the event of an emergency, which is uh, which is always the number one goal. So that's uh, that's what we, that's what I've gotten up to. Sounds like as you've well been busy training. Well, and, and training and training in, in in with that as well. I got. Uh, um, emergency management. Um, so the, the American FEMA system is uh, has a, an IMS or incident management system, uh, and I've got uh, half a dozen courses to do for that for for my uh, uh, my first response gig, and that will uh, so that's kind of improving my ability to step back and see the big picture in an emergency rather than just focus on the on the individual tasks to be done. Cool. Uh, well, as for myself, uh, you just reminded me, actually, we got a third dog since our last episode. Um, so we have the, the large one uh, for the outside work, the medium-sized one for the actual, like, you know, deterrence. And then the third one is basically just a glorified doorbell because she's about two and a half pounds. But the one of the reasons we got her is because, yeah, easy to handle. She's actually the best car traveler we have. Doesn't eat any food. She needs about two pellets per day, it seems. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been a good, actually, addition to the house. So, uh very easy to train that little one. Nice. Yeah. So for our, I missed the dog episode anyway, but uh, yeah, that was kind of a, a big deal for us. So that's uh, it's been fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but more importantly, we so we assembled a rain shelter here to keep some stuff from rusting, which is about a I'm gonna say about a 16 by 32 rain shed, and that was pretty good. That was on top of that quad uh, garage I built. And then see here, I changed the oil in the large generator, the log splitter, the pressure washer, and the farm tractor, also known as the quad. Uh, let's see here, burned some underbrush that was like uh, collected up around the ground just to keep the fire hazard down and collected up next year's kindling because of that. So I got two big piles of that. Uh, went to the range for some practice because I hadn't been to the range for a while. Not nearly enough anyway. And then uh, see here. Is there ever out. enough at the range? No. And 
I have to, it's so funny because I actually had to like rush to get it done. And in, in during my summer vacation, which happened in October this year, um, I'd actually rushed just to get an afternoon at the range. It was kind of sad that <laughs> in three weeks, that's all I could do. But anyway, um, yeah, so I stockpiled some chicken feed just to get stocked up for the winter. And then we actually had a local uh, producer like slaughter off and uh, sell us half a local pig. Oh, so nice. that was cool. So we got a freezer full of everything from bacon to chops to whatever, uh, a lot of ground pork. So, but got it at, I would call it about half the grocery store price. And it's basically organic and well-fed. And we actually, we, we saw the pig growing up from day one. And it's, uh, yes, it's nice, nice, uh, nice meat. Oh, nice. good deal. that's good. Yeah, so that's it for me. Yeah, so uh, for me, been busy here uh, getting ready for winter on the, on the farm. Cut, split, stacked about 14 full cords of firewood. Uh, we heat with an outdoor wood boiler, so we, we burn through usually about 10 cords a winter. Um, along with the firewood, I've got a pretty good-sized brush pile going in the backyard from trimming up some trees last year. Um, so trying to take advantage of burning that up this winter and been doing some more trail clearing and forest management in the woods. Uh, to make room for some animals coming on to the homestead in the spring. Got all the wood done, so went through service chainsaw, sharpened my extra chains. Um, going along with uh, heat in the house, I purchased an old wood stove off Craigslist for, I think paid 100 bucks for it. Uh, got that all restored and repainted, and then I, I hooked that into the existing chimney. Um, so that'll be a backup source of heat because the, the outdoor wood boiler needs electricity for the water pump and the furnace and the fans and everything else. So. Um, and going along with this, the heat sources, uh, my fiance runs her own soap making business out of our attached garage, but unfortunately there is no heat or ductwork in there, but, uh, she got an early birthday Christmas present. Um, she got a nice portable DeWalt propane heater as a gift. And I tell you what, I highly recommend that thing. It, it works awesome. So just runs off the 20 volt, uh, DeWalt batteries and it's supposed to run for six hours. Um, and just hooks into your regular 25 pound propane cylinders. That thing works great. Is that like a catalytic heater of some sort? Yeah, it's just like a, a torpedo heater. It's a little bit smaller. Uh, I think it's 73 or 78,000 BTUs, but uh, it heats up that garage good. It's a 24 by 24 garage, and it, it'll take it up 40 degrees in 20, 30 minutes. That's uh, 40 degrees Fahrenheit for the rest of us out there, yeah, which right. is about 15 degrees <laughs> Canadian. 15 degrees Canadian. Yep, yep. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so do you need to have a window open for that or? Uh, no, it, it burns clean. We put a, a fire or a smoke alarm in there and a CO detector. And uh, it says right on the box, it's safe to clean. They recommend ventilation, but uh, you can always crack a window. But we've we've been running there for a few days now. And it's been good. Cool. Interesting. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, a few other things. I uh, set up some long, long-term long food storage shelves in the basement. Um, planning to get into canning, preserving and stuff uh, next next summer. Um, one thing we've been doing on that line is uh, we, we made eight quarts of kimchi not long ago, and that's like uh, we season it with hot, hot sauce or uh, it's like a hot seasoning packet, but it's Napa cabbage, and then you add salt water, you let it ferment for 24 hours or so, and then you add some vinegar, and, and then you just put it in cans in the fridge. And that stuff's really good. Um, and then another thing we've been doing is cool. uh, playing around with some homemade indoor hydroponics. I uh, got a couple of grow lights in the mail just a few days ago, so I got some shelves set up in the basement for that. And then uh, my fiance got back a few weeks ago from an elk hunting trip out in Montana. She took down a nice cow elk, brought home about 320 pounds of meat, so we got that in the freezer now. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Elk and, is still my favorite of all, the, uh, of all it's the games delicious. out there. I tell you what, it's the first time I've had elk, and it is awesome. We've been eating nothing but that for like the last three weeks. It's been great. 
And then uh, I guess the last thing I did the last few weeks was uh, saved up a few hundred bucks over the summer and built myself a get home bag. I got a 40 mile commute to work. So uh, it's a little bit more along the lines of a bug out bag, but um, built that a few weeks ago. And well, it was nice out. We were taking walks um, just a few miles from a river here. So we were taking walks down the river with that and just getting some good exercise. And right on. Yeah, that's about it. That's a fair amount. So that's good. Yeah, it's been busy. <clears throat> All right. Main topic time. So uh, moving on to the main topic of the show. Uh, let's see here. I guess, Alan, you want to start us off? Well, um, well, I mean, we can certainly do this as a and A. I've put a few notes in. Um, I mean, our average, our, our average everyday life, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about the, um, you know, the the reasonable scenarios. Of course, when the rule of law no longer applies, all these guidelines go out the window. But um, for average everyday life, the, the the criminal goes for an easy target. So if your particular domicile looks harder to access than your neighbors, you're probably safe. <clears throat> that said, if you are a target. If somebody wants into your property, they're going to get in. Uh, that is a simple fact of life. The best we can do is keep them on the outside long enough for the good guys to come and take care of the bad guys. So to be prepared for extremes, start with your outer perimeter, open flat land as much as possible. Further, the further out you can, you can see without obstruction, the further you can see people coming. Um, don't let them sneak up on you. Uh, if you can build your house on a hill and put a high up point where there's no blind spots, you can see 360 degrees as far as possible. Uh, 200, 500 yards would be awesome uh, if I had my choice. So finding a finding a big patch of land, put a house right in the middle of the right in the middle of the field, and be able to see all around me with a with a little bird's nest up there would be you know ideal. Of course, we don't we're living in a in a reality, not our not our fantasy land, but that would be the that would be the proper the proper way to do it. Well, his, historically, that's the way that people have tried to do it, right? You know, top yep. of the hill, lots of lots of notice that they're coming, and yep, absolutely. I mean, even when ca castles are built, castles are built, are built on high elevations for a reason, right? Castles have turrets for that reason. Um, even, I mean, even even ships on the water, right? They had they had a, 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 the bird's nest or the crow's nest up at the top of the top of the mast, so you could see further. Yeah. Well, I and just think about it, even from a practical perspective, like VHF coverage or UHF coverage, you're going to get better line of sight distance if you're going to have a, a antenna at the top of a hill too. So if you yep. if you're a ham radio guy, that's that's another bonus, right? Yeah. So there's there's lots of um, lots of good reasons to do that. So if you can put your house in the middle of a field and a nice long driveway and um, put it up high, that way people can't sneak up on you. Um, your out the outer edge of your perimeter should be. The, it should be a thicket of tall, hard, thorny bushes. A couple of access points so you can get through, but the denser and thornier it is, the more you're going to make people go through the way that you want them to go. And so you can see it. Yeah, um, so do you have any uh, like, uh, recommendations for the types there? Or are you just going to kick in a couple there? Um, I mean, the, the, gen the generalized briar patch is good. Roses look nice without well and, 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 provi and provide... Um, uh, like rose, rose vines and bushes provide a, uh, um, uh, a, a kind of a more low key. Um, Lilac bushes are protection. really quick too, and they're, they bloom out pretty. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I mean, it, bushes, right? So it's, it, it's, what it, the, the rule is like you, you want it thick. I mean, even um, um, even cedar bushes, right? If you plant them close together, mm -hmm. um, they get thick, they intertwine, they're hard, they're hard to break through, and either people have to work harder to get through it or they have to go through the, the space that you designate. 
Well, yeah, I mean, like you bring up a good point with the roses. I mean, even in the uh, the, the good times, you're going to be a good neighbor and have nice, pretty rose bushes. And yep. in the bad times, that they're just as effective, right? Mm-hmm. Ex- so exactly. I, I was going to actually say, locally, we have these Himalayan blackberries that the vines have got to be like your thumb width thick and <laughs> huge thorns on them. And plus, it's a food source, but also the roses will attract the deer too, which is good. Yep. So some mm-hmm. there's a couple of bonus points there, but a hawthorn is another one that you can put underneath your windows or on yep. a perimeter just to keep people uh, away from the areas you don't want them to go to. Right. Yep. And I mean that that works with any kind of wall essentially. I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna go to that extent, you know you're gonna build a wall, you're gonna build a fence, whatever it is. Um, you're making people go to go through the points that you control so that you can you can see what's happening. Um, couple of access points make them make them go where you want. Um, that way you can see someone approaching and. Uh, you can take care of that threat by whatever means suits you at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will not get into those details. Uh, <laughs> well, in normal time, it's just a 911 call, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And when <laughs> seconds count, the police are only minutes away. That's right. But that's a, that's a discussion for another podcast. That's right. <laughs> um, so your walls, your walls are your last line of defense. Um, so another thing, and I kind of forgot to put it in the notes here, but um, another point is that uh, you want you want to be able to light that area really well. Um, shadows are your enemy. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I live out in the country, and on a good day, like on a good night, I can't see my neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you mentioned that. Put a couple motion lights in, guys. That's that's what we got around here. A few motion yep. lights, one on the front porch, got one back out on the wood stove. So if anybody comes up to any entrance, light's gonna kick on. You know, they're yep. there. Usually, it'll scare them away. Well, I mean, Costco sells those solar-powered ones that, I mean, they're, what, 30, 40 bucks tops, and they last pretty much forever, and they're good with power outages because, you know, they're solar, and they, yep. uh, with the LEDs, they, they do light up a fairly good area, so, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty solid choice there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, that's, yeah, um, keep your area well lit so that you can see what's going on around you. Um, and then, you know, we, we bring it into your inner perimeter, which is your walls. Those are your last line of defense. Brick is fine. Concrete is better. Um Stick framing with you know pretty much anything over it, whether it's stucco or uh, siding, um, resists basically nothing. So in terms of actually, you know, in terms of actual, you know, somebody has gotten that close to your property, right. um, it's not concrete, stopping a bullet. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, it's definitely not stopping a bullet. But I mean, we talked about it in another episode. I forget which one Hughes was mentioning it. Like, you can break into most modern houses with a with an exacto knife. Oh yeah, Just because you've got because you've got siding over insulation over vapor barrier over drywall, mm-hmm. and that is the that's the only thing separating the inside from the outside. Like they don't even bother sheathing it anymore. Right. Um, so I mean ICF, right? We're we're uh, working on a series coming up. Stay tuned for probably the new year. Um, like uh, ICF or ejected concrete forming um, will resist a whole lot and provide an excellent. Um, I mean, it really is probably your best choice if you're building a house um, mm-hmm. for. Um, you know, can't rot, doesn't let, doesn't let rodents through, uh, provides an excellent R value. Like it's incredibly efficient, um, all those wonderful things. Um, and it also keeps the bad guys on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, realistically, your doors and windows are the most vulnerable point of attack. Um, if I had my choice and I was building a house that was designed to resist people, uh, I would use uh, 16 gauge steel stiff and hollow metal doors with steel stiffeners and uh 20 and uh 12 gauge uh 12 gauge steel frames that were back filled with concrete okay um, so you, you have to fill fill me in i know how gauges work with shotguns okay. how do they work with, with steel so with with gauges the 
the smaller the number, the thicker the steel. So a 20, a 20 gauge hollow metal door. So hollow metal is the um, generalized industry term for uh, for a door that's usually about an inch and three quarter thick, sometimes a little bit thicker. It's two skins with something in the middle and then it's, it's welded together. Um, a 20 gauge hollow metal door is about the lightest you're gonna get. That's essentially the, the that's, it's about the same thickness as your, the, your car door panels. Okay. Um, it'll, Provide a fire resistance rating, but it, it you know a, a good can opener will uh, will overcome it. 18 gauge is pretty standard in commercial use, uh, at least in this part of the world. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of places are going to 20 gauge for standard because it's cheaper, but 18 gauge for the for the longest time is good. It's you know that's fairly you know heavy duty commercial use. It's it's uh, it's going to last for a really long time. And then 16 gauge is not quite your thickest available, but pretty close. Um, I've, I've used 16 gauge doors in uh, detention facilities where those doors are going to get beaten on. And the steel stiffeners inside are essentially a, a, a 16, 16 gauge steel again, but it's a C channel that gets welded to the front and back okay. and to, to both sides of the door. Yeah. And those doors weigh about 250 pounds a piece and um, they'll, they'll resist a forklift. Like they're, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty, they're pretty heavy duty. Um, Again, they're, you know, the door is rarely the weakest point. It's usually the frame, which is why I would go with a, a good heavy heavy gauge, like a 14-gauge steel stiffened frame or a 14-gauge mm -hmm. reinforced frame, and then backfill it with something. Because, again, you know, the most, with most break-ins, it's not the door that fails. It's not the lock that fails. It's the jam. Yep. Cheap way to upgrade is just put some three-inch three inch screws in the hinges, take the little tiny ones you get out with the door. Yep. There, should be, there should be two... Um, two by four stacked up behind that door. So you should have three inches of, of wood to screw in there. You might as well take advantage of it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before on another episode. If you peel the trim off the inside of your door yeah. and throw some, uh, throw some slotted angle or some angle iron mm -hmm. behind it and then screw through the face of your jam into your, into those studs with those three or four inch screws, um, you're going to, you're going to make that door really hard to break down. Yep. Um, again, nothing's impossible, but our, our goal is to slow them down long enough to be able to accumulate or to be able to gather a response. Um, so that is the, like, those are my, like, you know, resisting, resisting the brute force attack. Um, same with your windows, right? The, you know, glass, glass is pretty, uh, um, glass is not a security item um the your best bet is to uh put a put a break resistant film on it the best films are i think 10 mil 10 mil thick 10 millimeter thick uh, i'm sorry i don't know the conversion off the top of my head into inch but that's uh 10 mil is just shy of just shy of a quarter inch mm -hmm. uh i think no that's so it's over it's about three eighths three eighths yeah so it's a good it's a good thick film it sticks oh. to the glass um you anchor it with a with a structural caulking to the frame and then Anytime the, if somebody breaks the glass, uh, it's still being held together, and it you know it'll take a, it'll take an absolute beating. Wow. Uh, uh, three. Well, I was gonna say the only problem with that security film I find is like it it has a usually has that mirror finish as well, right? Um, uh, least, not not necessarily. Yeah, because some um, of it does, but some no, of it some... does absolutely, and you can you can 
make that choice when you're when you're getting it. Um, buy it from like not to throw not to throw out a sponsor here because they they don't sponsor us, but 3M makes the best stuff out there. Um, they kind of mm-hmm. rented it, and if you look if you look at their their YouTube videos, um, like they will literally have guys. I, I've done this. I've actually participated in this in this test. Where they will literally have two guys with with 20 pound sledgehammers, mm-hmm. just wailing away on these windows, and it holds together. Wow. Because I was gonna say, like the mirrored stuff is a problem actually, because it looks cool during the day when somebody you know can't see in your house. But the problem is that means that at night you can't see out. Yeah. Because it, it basically it, the the brightest part or brightest side is the one that can't see. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, it, so it works. It works both ways, unfortunately. Yeah. So just make sure make sure that you're you're taking that into consideration when you're cho- when you're choosing your film, because um, some of them do do that, um, but those are usually the UV films. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And these are specifically security films, which have a different uh, have a different um, approach to them and a different a different use. Um, I've known people who have put UV film on the outside and the security film on the inside, um, and you're basically making an impenetrable wall there. Um, so that is um, that takes care of like your weakest points. Um, I guess uh, next- another point yeah. on the windows there. At least at least keep some curtains drawn. Uh, keep your shades down. Keep people from seeing in. I guess that's the easiest, yeah. cheapest thing to do. Make sure, make, don't make kind yourself goes, a target. Goes right? without it, saying, but kind of needs to be said too, you know? It always, it always needs to be said. Um, <laughs> nothing goes without saying when you're being prepared. <laughs> we don't need pipelines. We have, tra- we have train cars. That's right. <laughs> uh, so that takes, that takes care of your, your, your big weak points. Um, the next, the next thing to, t- to look at would be the locks that hold your, especially your doors shut. Uh, with windows, there are not a lot of great, locks there the best you know especially the patio doors and windows uh sliding windows the best thing that i've ever found in all my years of lock work and security work and responding to break-ins um the things that have worked the best are some variation of a piece of broom handle stuck in the track right whether that's a piece of broom handle or if you're canadian a piece of a hockey stick whatever it is um a piece of something that keep, that physically keeps the, lock, the the door from moving is your best bet. Um, I found the best to turn is to take that piece of whatever, paint it the brightest safety orange or green that you can, make it really obvious that there's something there. Makes you less of a target. Yep. Oh, hey, I, I shouldn't bother trying to break into this because I know I'm never going to move that window. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on somewhere else. Um, so with with when you're taking when we're looking at locks, the best the least that is exposed on the outside, the better. Uh, the better, right? The the smallest it gives you the smallest attack, um, smallest attack surface. Uh, look for something that is a UL four thirty seven listed deadbolt. If you're looking for the best best protection possible, so the UL Underwriter Laboratory standard four thirty seven is the um, international standard for uh, attack pick and drill resistance, and that is the super nerdy term for um, making it really hard to break into. So something is called a, called a high security deadbolt. Those are designed if they are installed according to the manufacturer's instructions to resist um, approximately 20 to 30 minutes of sustained attack by a trained person, Hmm. which means the average criminal is not getting through there. So you probably saw those in debt die hard when they're trying to drill the safe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually started started my annual Die Hard marathon last weekend. Wow, uh, we watch we watch all the movies, but it's uh, not it's not uh, Christmas till uh, Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Plaza, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so those will uh, those are are the the best way to slow somebody down. Um, 
it puts ball bearings at the drill points. So the weak, you know, the the things that hold, you know, the screws that hold the, the lock together. If you can put a ball bearing in the end of the in the end of the the hole where the screws go in, um, you're going to make it harder to drill out. It, you know, what, what all the standard drill points you put steel chips or, or like stainless chips or um, um, ball bearings, you're going to make it harder to harder to uh, attack. Um, three deadbolts per door, so four latching points. Um, in my perfect scenario. I've got the standard standard deadbolts at the uh, you know the standard lock at the standard as the standard height for for convenient use a deadbolt about six inches above it, and then I've got a deadbolt at um, 18 inches from the top of the door and 18 inches from the bottom of the door, and what that's going to do is that's going to spread the spread the attack force of a battering ram or a foot or a bearcat or whatever somebody's trying to ram through the side of my house um, out across the biggest area possible. Um, that then makes your hinge the weakest point, which means you need to put the heavy duty hinges on. And just like with, your, with the strike that's being screwed into the frame behind the, uh, like the, the stud behind the, the jam, you're going to take that and run big long screws through your hinges into your jam as well, or into your, into your studs as well. And that's going to, that's going to keep the whole system together long enough for you to drop boiling oil from your second floor window onto these people. <laughs> Because if we're going to go medieval, we're going to go all the way medieval. I was waiting for that one. I didn't even think of that one, but it's pretty good. I mean, we could go home alone and, and, you know, have all kinds of crazy, have all kinds of crazy ways to do it. But I mean, a direct, the direct approach is usually the best. Um, whatever boiling oil, flamethrower combination you can think of is, uh, is not a bad idea. I mean, we could go for, we could, we could have fun for days with, you know, booby trapping and whatever of, of your, of your property, but uh, we'll try and talk at least reasonably realistic about this. Um, the other thing is to take care of the gap between uh, the door and the jam. So that is a, that is, a, it's, it has to be there. Otherwise the, the, the door and the jam don't fit together. There's usually about an eighth inch gap. And uh, especially if your door swings out, uh, now most residential doors swing into the prop, swing into the building. But if your door happens to swing out, uh, you need to make sure you cover that gap. Uh, if you're using the hollow metal doors that I would appreciate everybody using, and that's not just because I sell hollow metal for a living, uh, weld a weld a, uh, a two inch a two inch wide eighth inch plate around the three around the three sides so avoid the hinge side because otherwise the door won't open if you weld the plate all the way around you cover up that gap now you can't get a tool in to open the door and like here to tell you yeah uh, or i mean even just a pry bar but i mean the most the, one of the most common ways there was a time uh before we started doing that um there's a time when what people would do is they'd go down to the local tsc or uh you know or hardware store or, you know country store buy a 10 ton come along hook it up to the back of a pickup truck jam it into the jam it into the top corner of the door and just start winching and then eventually that door would pop open but if you cover that gap it doesn't matter what the you can't you can't get a tool in there to do anything with it so whether it's a halligan bar or a pry bar or um you know whatever you know again we're, we're making it as difficult as possible to get in to get into that um that is that is kind of my my big thing um one kind of big asterisk on all of this is that the harder you make it to get in, the harder it is to get out in an emergency. Um, I forget where it was, and I was trying to—I was thinking about—I was, I was trying to trying to make time to do the research for this before the episode, and I just 
didn't. Um, there was a fort, and I want to say it was it was in Malta, and it was um, I, if it was Malta and it was the fort I'm thinking of, it was occupied by the uh, by the Knights Templar at the time, and it was impenetrable. And eventually, what they did um, was they just burned the place down. They just started lobbing fireballs over the walls because they couldn't penetrate it and just left left them for dead and then the the uh, the people inside couldn't get out because it was so heavily fortified yeah that was one of the big points i had just uh keep your keep your smoke alarms working and keep uh, any fire extinguishers on hand charged because uh, a hardened homestead's no good when it's burning down from the inside yep absolutely um yeah and that's uh that's the the big <laughs> that's that's uh, i think I've, I've covered most of it uh and of course, be prepared to be hunkered down for a while if you uh, if you do end up uh, under some kind of serious threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's not. You got a really good point there, actually. Um, but yeah. I like your 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 idea of keeping the threat outside uh, the house if if at all possible. I mean, that's going to be at the end of my show notes, anyways. But yeah, like the idea of keeping a patrol or a good eye out, cameras, you know, observation posts, anything to see the threat coming along before it becomes like an internal issue. I think that's yep. the best best offense. Well, I mean, defense, right? Motion motion sensors in the ground are wireless. They're dirt cheap to install. Um, you can you can put ground sensors around your property. You know, fifty yards in all directions, or however far out you want, and you know when you know you, you know when when the when the dog's coming home. You know when he's being chased by something bigger, and you know when people when people are coming across the are coming across the property. Um, and then, of course, if you've got your lights on motion sensors, all of a sudden, if one of your lights cut, turns on, then you know there's something up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a wireless uh, solar-powered driveway alarm for our property. That thing works great because um, yep. that's, that's really the only entrance on our property. You've got a long gravel driveway. From the time that alarm goes off, you've still got 20 seconds before they're up to the house in the car. So. Yeah, actually, so, I've never even seen one of those before until I was actually at my parents' place this summer. They have one sitting in the and same idea. They got about, you know, a 30 second advance notice that somebody's coming down the driveway. Right. Um, and I, like my dad works at a hardware store, so I guess he had brought it home and <laughs> decided to give it a whirl. So yeah, it was yep. kind of neat actually. It worked really yeah. They're well. pretty inexpensive. I think ours was 40, 50 bucks maybe. Yeah. And you can add on to them and add other sensors elsewhere and stuff. So. Yep. And there, I mean, that's, that's one of those low cost insurance things, and especially if you can control the entry points, then exactly. you know, you know, whenever somebody's coming onto your property. Right. <clears throat> cool. So, yeah, I mean, my, my points are kind of similar to Alan's, but I mean, my goal, and I guess in my mind is primarily to deter, you're never going to keep anybody out forever. Right. Um, whether it be burglars while you're gone, uh, you know, worst case scenario without rule of law type of thing. I mean, the best really, you can really hope to slow them down only. I mean, uh, historically, I think we, we mentioned uh, the one fort there, but I actually looked up the story of the Masada, which, of course, they've named a few things after since. But, you know, there's this big mountaintop fort in the desert in Israel, and they, they kept uh, the Romans at bay for, for months. Actually, I think it was even years. And what got them in the end was water storage. <laughs> they didn't have enough water. But, uh, I mean, so sooner or later, if you're in a fixed position, historically, no fixed position has ever maintained it uh, against a sustained attack. So, delaying is, is what we're looking at here so got to have all the other preps in order otherwise if you gotta you gotta leave your house you know it's no good to be hardened so well and i kind of laughed when i read about the masada there too because you know water is what got them in the end and i thought of our friend eric there who's got the uh, the well in his basement and i was like see he'd be good 
He'd be he'd be good up until the well became became poison because that would be the next thing. And... Oh, well, exactly. There's always a, there's always a countermeasure, right? Like for a while yeah. there, they they tried throwing uh, dead cows over the uh, the walls to, to make people die of disease, right? Yep. And there's always something to do, right? Well, that was a that was a very that was a, a traditional Roman tactic was to uh, to um, poison the tips of their arrows usually with feces, and it wasn't the arrows that killed people; it was the disease afterwards, and then the disease spread among the ranks. And yep. You have so. died of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. So time is your enemy is what I'm getting at. So uh, for my perimeters, uh, a couple things that Alan didn't cover off, uh, ditches. So the average county ditch, you know, they have, uh, you know, courtesy of the government is basically an AC, you know, gentle U-shape type of thing and generally not, you know, overly capable of keeping people out. But if you, uh, if you want to sharpen one edge of it, and basically you have like, you know, the old anti-tank style ditches where you basically have a, for, uh, a nice slope going into the ditch, then a straight up, up and down wall. Um, somebody can drive into it and try and go that sideways or straight on. They're not going to be able to get up over that straight section. And it doesn't have to be a 10 foot thing either. But if you keep a ditch that's two or three feet high, all but the biggest Hummer, I guess, is going to be stopped by that, right? Yep. So if you don't have trees or thorn bushes or anything else on the edge of your property, that is one easy to accomplish thing if you have a backhoe or... Lots of slave labor. I don't know. <laughs> can't, can't do ditches, but uh, yeah. So uh, barricades. Didn't, didn't be- Sam Cook write a song about that? <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, that's horrible stuff. But anyway, uh, so barricades. Uh, same idea. So if you have a long gravel road or whatever, and you want to just keep people out, you know, without rule of law, long term, you know, de- uh, societal problems, just cut down a tree, throw a log across it, because at the very least, you yep. have to move it or cut it, and you're going to hear them either either way, and I'll give you a little bit extra time. Yep. Um, there's always the the metal gate idea that goes up and down, um, you know. For you, know, just, you see them on forestry roads, everything else. That there's always some sort of metal metal gate post. Um, one thing in Ontario that got me when I lived there was that you know people would have like this nice forested lot. They'd buy it, they'd knock down every single tree, and then once they built the house, they put like one little stump up front. <laughs> and so if you can at all do it and you're building a, a property, I guess, you know, leave the forest intact around the edges because that's a natural barrier right there, which again would like to Alan's point would force people to go in at certain spots of your choosing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing around the property here, I thought about doing, uh, and the wife's been actually uh, inspiring me on this one too, is the, uh, the Gabby on walls. So what they are, have you guys heard of those? No. Okay. So what they are is basically a, a wire mesh, like think like chicken wire, uh, but maybe just a little thicker gauge and you basically do a couple wood frames like in the shape of like a, a brick wall or a rectangle that you know has some vertical to it um, and you just basically walk around grab the rocks from your property and throw them in these wire mesh baskets they're also called hescos in the military same idea oh, okay yeah 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 i know what you're yeah. talking about yep so but these are like the civilian version they're meant to be decorative so you <laughs> you do these these gabion walls and they provide you a, a rock wall of your thickness of your choosing that uh, is pretty much free for the sake of just a few posts and a little bit of chicken wire, and you can make up a nice rock wall that is everything proof. Yeah, we see. I, I see those like driving along the can- the Trans Canada. They've been they've been used to create uh, <clears throat> to create you know bar- barriers against the uh, avalanches and such. Yep. No, I, yeah, I know so, exactly what you're talking about. Yep. So nobody's going to drive through those. Um, yeah, people can hop them. That's where my next point comes in. So I mean, the fences idea. I mean, the ideal with a fence. I guess would be have some sort of opaque fence that they can't see through. Of course, that means you can't see through it either if they're gathering yep. on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the cameras might come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but nice high fence. It's either uh, cast iron with spikes or uh, in my case, uh, preferably, I would love to have like uh, some wi- barbed wire on top. But careful. Uh, some provinces, <laughs> maybe some states 
do not allow barbed wire on top of your own personal fence. Ontario is one of them. Oh, really? Yep. Because I knew Manitoba was one, but uh, out in BC and Alberta were fine. You can still use. You can actually buy razor wire and put it on top if you really wanted to, but that leads you, you to you have to you have to have special special permits for it, and you can't do it in residential areas, and you can only have it has to be over. I think the fence has to be over seven feet high, which you can't do for residential fence. Yeah. And so then this the barbed wire has to tip into your property. Yeah. So it'd be a rural thing. And it'd be a, like, of course, you have to be worried about liability, damaging your own stuff. And, you know, handling the stuff with the big, thick leather gloves is not easy either, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, the cast iron with spikes is decorative and cool looking at the same time. It is. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, there's a, um, a plant or a, a factory in this area that makes big heavy armored vehicles for the military and they have an or actually a really nice looking cast iron fence all the way around the property it happens to be about 12 feet high and happens to arch out and be pointy at the end and, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be pointy you know if you if you're that's even an issue you can always like curve them over so yeah, that well it is it, it kind of it curves it curves out and then it's kind of spiky but um the fence just can't be scaled um yeah. just because you like you can't grip anything there's, there's nothing there's no there's nowhere to put your hands or feet there are no handholds so mm-hmm. um it's uh it's an it's an excellent system absolutely uh as a deterrence measure not like a, a you know they're not going to keep them out it might just deter some people is uh electrify your fence not i'm not saying lethal <laughs> like charges i'm not going to condone that right now but like just uh just horse fencing you know like it's like a, a car battery hooked up and it, right. it it's just enough to keep animals uh, from pushing against the fence so if, if somebody's peeing on the electric fence or grabbing it they'll know it Yep. Yeah, they have a lot of a lot of affordable solar powered options out there for that now too. So that might be another option. Yeah, um, you mentioned the floodlights, Alan, but also uh, like I think Eric's setup is infrared. Um, yep. So that's kind of cool because IR Vision is actually digitally now it's very cheap, and you can get IR floodlights from Amazon for like thirty bucks now. Um, yeah, that's and that's crazy. That uh, and yeah, it does it does a great job. Yeah, I mean, unlike night vision, I mean, somebody else with an IR scope can see you with an IR spotlight shining it around, but it's still something. Yep. Um, so if you have IR spotlight and a digital vision scope, spotting scope, binoculars, I mean, it's something just to to keep an eye on stuff, right? Yep. I mean, so my kids were also watching Aliens the other day, so the robotics entries came to mind, but <laughs> I, I don't think those are an option here in Canada, but machine i mean you know but but that's but that's as simple as a um as a roomba with a gopro on it right yeah that's right that's really it's really not that far out of the uh out of their own possibilities yeah uh, it's uh it's kind of funny actually when you think about it but uh with the technology's progressed a lot uh dogs of course we mentioned that in the uh, podcast that i missed there but yep. dogs are a fantastic perimeter uh security device because they might be a, a single use only in bad times because somebody may decide to take down your dog but at least you'll have critical warnings if they're willing to kill a dog they're probably willing to hurt you so yep so something to think about so uh dogs um cameras in good times like if you guys have power systems i mean if they're gonna have somebody on your property at least you want to be able to prosecute them later on so get your digital cameras going and that also like a camera will also range you out further than you can see so if you do have a, a a natural blind spot in your perimeter um Put a camera on it and then you can see where it is you can see what's going on there so it's, it's not even um not even a, a prosecution aspect it's still it can still be used as an early warning yeah absolutely so this is where i kind of go into the larping business a bit but uh i mean there is some consideration to be given for patrols in bad times and i don't mean like you know going on a military like long-range patrol with your camel gear it could be just as simple as checking on your neighbors 
um, seeing if they've seen anything, exchanging information, just seeing if anybody set up a camp, you know, 100 meters into the bush by your house, uh, just to keep an eye on the property, because like you said, keep them uh, as far away as possible. Yeah, maybe, maybe even if it was really bad, you get get together with a few neighbors and park an old truck at the end of each each end of the road and just kind of lock down the whole block. I guess that'd be a probably a great thing to do. Yeah, Keep exactly. Farther away. <clears throat> so, like, as yeah, I was about to say the uh, the observation post. I mean, that's a tried and true method as well. Like, you know, mm-hmm. further out from the house, whether it be a, a you know a, a foxhole or a, an RV or the back of a pickup truck. Yeah, it's just right. uh, observation posts with a radio and and uh, a pair of binoculars can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of course, the higher up, the better, because again, you can see further. Um, so yeah, this is one going to be a large asterisk, <laughs> but because you can't do it in normal times and everything else. But uh, there's always plenty of reading material out there on Caltrops, uh, which is like a a spiky deterrent for uh, the field around your house, man traps, <laughs> whatever have you. But I'm not going to condone yep. all those right now because it's normal times. Um, so if they get to get close enough to your house, I think we t- covered off most of it. Um, let's see here, hurricane shutters. You kind of touched on those. Yep. I know most of the schools have the money to do that, but the average Joe doesn't. But I mean, those things are fantastic. They kind of roll down, seal tight, and mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah, and honestly, um, I mean, the the, the, ch- the big challenge with the the big challenge with those is that the um, is the installation more than anything. The cost of them is really not that expensive for you know for a fairly light gauge, but they're not attractive. They're not subtle in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like they are there. Well, I have a question for you too. Like, so you're talking about a bunch of security stuff for the windows. You know, those like uh, those white kind of bar, like they're almost like an eight shaped bar that goes in behind the window that you can kind of like swing out and put into place that lock into place. Yep. Um, What, I don't know. How do you describe those things? It's it's just called a window bar. It's like a movable window bar. They're, um, they do, they do the job. Um, I, my opinion is that a window film is better. Mm-hmm. Simply because the, I mean, there's, and you know, redundant layers of security, but if you've got window film, you don't need the bar. Okay. Um, and if you don't have the window film and somebody does try and break into your house, then you have a big hole in your house that you have to deal with. Yeah. Well, and you're going to lose uh, heat. You're going to lose everything else yeah. too. I mean, security bar, I kind of like the idea of like being able to like, you know, just disconnect it, open it up and get out. But by, like you said, if somebody's going to break the window anyways, now you got to deal with all sorts of other problems. So Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the advantage of a security bar is that it's a turn, right? It's a, it's a really visible, um, it's a visible, don't come here, you're going to have a hard time. Um, that's why you'll see a lot of, um, a lot of businesses still, still prefer security bars in the front over, um, over the window films, because the window films look nicer, but they're not the same visual deterrent that a... Um, the security bar gives right a security bar you can see that from you know 20 paces away that that place is going to be harder to break into than its neighbor that doesn't have it and it's all well and good to have a window film that would that's going to make a it's going to make a rock bounce but um you still have you still have a broken window to deal with rather than somebody just moving along in the first place yeah i guess that point could kind of work against you too if times are bad uh, bars on the windows are going to kind of say hey look over here i've got yeah. stuff to protect you know i've got, I've got stuff worth protecting yeah. something to think about well that's where I, I i used to use like when i lived in the uh, subdivisions i'd use that uh, spray on like frosting spray for windows so yep. if, if your window is only looking at the next door neighbor's house you don't have a view uh the only thing you really want from there is light so I, uh, <laughs> rather than looking at my white and my neighbor and see his family room, I decided to like use that frosting spray. So I still get the light. They can't see in. I can't see out, mind you. But by the same mm-hmm. token, though, it still was 
functional for light purposes, at least, but yeah. at least it didn't tempt them with something to steal, right? Yeah, well, if it's high, if it's high enough up or a small enough window that it's not uh, it's not a big threat, then it makes good sense. Yeah. Um, hide, hide your stuff. Yeah. I've uh, touched on this before as well, but the uh, the medieval door timbers, like uh, the, whatever you call them, the zombie bar, I think down at Lowe's, they're about two bucks a pop. You get those, those nickel-plated steel things will actually hold a two-by-four or yep. angle iron or whatever. Um, poor man's way of doing it compared to you, but it's... Uh, it was the does, it, it does the job. It's one of those high speed, low drag uh, <laughs> solutions. And I, I have had to penetrate doors that are protected by those before. And it resulted in getting the saw out and literally cutting the door in half and then the bar behind it. So um, it, it's definitely a turn. It will definitely slow somebody down. Yeah. So the, I think you, you covered most of my stuff, actually. But um, you, you mentioned that most walls won't stop an exacto knife, let alone a bullet. But uh, with, that, with that in mind, there's always the idea of like a reinforced uh, walled room, like a uh, not so much a panic room, but um, if you want to put some steel up around a room to protect your loved ones, if somebody yep. is actually trying to do a forcible entry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's kind of your last line of defense is re- like within the house, right? Assuming that somebody's getting, assuming, assuming that help is not coming and that that person is intent on getting into your house, that wall is going to fail eventually, or that door is going to fail eventually, and you're you're going to need somewhere else to fall back to. Um, <clears throat> yeah, even even if you don't take action and do anything, at least at least put some thought into it. Which room in the basement would be the best? Uh, which which closet do you run to? Because in yep. the heat of the moment, you're going to panic and you're going to freeze, and that's ultimately what what leads to bad things. So, and if you're if you're planning a house, then plan for a room that is as far away from the common points of entry as possible, mm-hmm. and um you can reinforce that right you can turn you can you can build that wall with two by six studs instead of two by four you can put them close together you can reinforce or you can just build a block wall within the middle which again is going to slow somebody down and you can put a solid door in it instead of a hollow door Mm -hmm. um there are some pretty cool if uh uh again we're not you know these people don't sponsor us but i I have some some pretty in-depth personal knowledge about uh, of a a lock manufacturer called uh sherlock mcgill s-u-r-e lock mcgill uh, it's a British company, and they built, they they designed these uh, these locks and doors uh, to be blast resistant, um, because you know England and the troubles and the IRA and all those good all that good stuff. Um, and there again, some really cool videos on YouTube of the uh, like the City of London Police forcible entry team trying to penetrate these uh, trying to penetrate this door. They just like they just can't get it open. Like they'll they'll take they'll take, they'll go through a standard door faster than I can take my keys out of my pocket, and they're working on these doors for like 15, 20 minutes, and they just can't get them open. Um, so much so that like the um, uh, like the New York subway system has started installing their doors and locks in their tunnels because they resist the air pressure changes and the uh, and the vibration stuff. So if, I mean, if you're if you're spending money on locks, um, it's not cheap. But like, but that stuff is all like inch thick solid stainless bar um you know multi-point locking systems it's it's frankly it's some pretty cool shit but (laughs) um you're paying for it but it's it's a it's a it's a it's a door that that will literally is literally designed to resist an explosion wow like somebody somebody shooting or somebody shooting an rpg at your door and the rpg is going to bounce off it (laughs) um so if you've got a wall designed to resist that then it might be worth investigating putting a uh um, putting a lock on it that will also resist it. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking some of our similar or uh, simple, like you know, during the good times, you can get uh, contractor to make a nice uh, river rock stone wall, uh, just to you know, look pretty and still resist things a little bit better. But there's still just like little stones with you know a bit of cement, just nothing yep. much behind it. It's right. not like it's solid stones, but it looks looks better and it might be a little more fire resistant too. Oh, yeah. Well, every every mm-hmm. layer slows somebody down. Yeah, steel roof we didn't mention uh, for fire protection and yeah. It's just a harder entry than a, yep. a regular asphalt roof. Uh, alternate escape. We t- kind of touched on it there, but with the windows the way they are that we were talking about, and if you do have a fire in the house, I mean, maybe have one of those like uh, extendable ladders on the upper floors to uh, throw out the window and climb down. Yep, and practice that. It's one thing to have it. It's quite another to actually put it into put it into use. Um, plan how you're going to do it, right? Plan how you're going to get everybody in one spot, get them out the window, and then actually practice getting out the window. Um it's a fun family activity to do that on Thanksgiving weekend, practice getting in, practice getting out. And um, I say Thanksgiving just cause that's usually when everybody's, everybody's together and the weather's usually decent, but um, yeah, practice it, right. Uh, the, the best, the best plan, the, the best laid plans of mice and men don't, don't apply when uh, what's the old saying uh, training goes out the window when reality comes in the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, okay. I got to ask Tyler only cause the stereotype. Um, is like storm shelters a bit of a thing down there where you are? I guess you're not really in tornado country or anything, but. Oh yeah. We're, we're tornado country. I'd say yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe a little North, but yeah, we've, uh, we've got a storm shelter kind of set up in the basement. It's actually where they, they used to heat the house with the indoor wood stove. It's kind of got a brick inlay into the basement. Um, and then even behind that, there's another enclosed brick room and that's where they used to throw the wood in to, to get down to the wood stove. And yeah, we spent a couple nights in there this past, even just this past summer, probably three evenings we had to go down there for, for tornado warnings. So. Oh, good. Okay. So I'm not way off base there. That's good. No, no, not so, at I mean, all. It's a common place around here. A lot of people with uh, sellers and, you know, root sellers in the house and everything else. So. Cool. Um, so yeah, a couple things things just to, to add to that so obviously in bad times if there is a power outage or whatever um emergency lights whether it be battery backup um just mm-hmm. battery powered so you can flick it on at will and the other thing i was going to mention just have a means of communication so you can contact each other inside the house if need be that you know if you're separated and you want to just get a message across that's pretty much all the only other thing i had for fortifications right yeah uh, i think we hit most of it i've got just a few spots maybe i'll put my two cents in um, I guess just starting out before maybe you do any fortifying on your house, uh, sit down and really think about what, what you need to protect yourself from. I guess for us personally, real it and, and probably realistically for most people, it's, uh, you know, armed robbery or breaking and entering, um, kind of knock and rush the door type scenario. So, so maybe have a baseball bat by the door or something like that. Um, this is kind of us specific, or I guess definitely is, uh, you know, take advantage of, of getting your permit to carry keep your firearms probably probably more important to keep it on you at home in my opinion that's just as good of a chance that something bad happens there uh and and i guess at the very least uh keep your gun safe organized so if you do need to get in there and get stuff i know i've we'll go to buddy's house to to target practice and they'll be opening the gun safe and they're catching ammo boxes and and stuff's falling out and it's it's going to be a nightmare if you know it's an emergency and you actually need to get in there uh to protect yourself well, the fine motor skills go out the window and under stress, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so just be prepared there. Uh, be conscious of locking your doors every night and maybe uh, be strategic about leaving a light on here or there, uh, kitchen light inside, whatever it might be. Um, think about that and just make sure you're you're checking your doors every night before you go to bed. Um, 
another point we talked about animals um along with dogs i was thinking we, we feed the birds right outside the house here and um when they're busy you'll see them coming and going all the time as soon as they go away you know there's something something to look out for i've heard the same about crickets too once they go quiet you know there's something in the area maybe it's not a person but but maybe people aren't your threat maybe it's uh, animals predators you know predators trying to hunt your livestock so something else to pay attention to oh yeah we have around here too with the cougars in the area every single bird like usually a bird's chirping all the time and you'll have the forest go absolutely dead silent and that's why oh, yeah. cougars in town because it just every just stops it's a dead giveaway yeah yeah we had a miniature donkey growing up Uh, we kept in with the horses and and that was probably one of the best guard animals you could have uh the thing was along the fence he hon if there was anything going on um and we're playing donkeys and llamas very territorial animals very Uh, much so yeah around around my area because it's all farmland around me um every every field that has livestock has a donkey in it because we were i mean we're overrun by coyotes so and they uh the donkeys do not like coyotes and so it's uh it's i've actually seen them like they'll just go and stomp one yeah they're, they're very smart animals i was always told that uh, they used them up in the mountains for for pack animals one because they're strong but they're much much more sure-footed than a horse a uh, horse you could yeah. lead right off the edge of a cliff a donkey knows better yeah um, no i mean uh, animals we had the llama of course and he was really good but even the alpacas work well a stranger shows up they get surrounded by about five of them right off the bat yeah. uh but yeah the mini donkey's good I, I heard geese actually work as well Geese, yeah pe- we're planning on getting some peacocks we're going to get some egg laying chickens and uh we've we've read that if you keep peacocks in with them they're they're along the same line they're territorial and they're they start squawking as soon as something's going on so hmm. um, Interesting. yeah um so that kind of takes care of the basic stuff uh a few other things with your property or thinking about your property maybe try to get a rural setting if you aren't already on a ho- homestead or a house uh, less people, less problems. That's kind of the bottom line, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, uh, keeping a good perimeter. Um, I've got two two good sized decks on the back side of the house. Uh, those would be a great lookout. Maybe that's something to think about for you too. Um, keep your yards cleaned. If you got a bunch of junk laying around, how easy is it to sneak up? If you've got you know thirty broken down old cars in the front yard. Um, but along going along the lines of that too. Uh, there's no cover if you're if you need to get out of the house too so uh, maybe be strategic about where you leave things uh we talked about the safe room and then uh, a few other ideas i kind of walked around the shop uh thinking of an shtf scenario um chains and padlocks good to have on the property uh, i can do a lot with those just blocking things keeping doors closed um i got a whole bunch of chain uh, my work scrapped out an uh, overhead hoist, so I got about 60 feet of chain for nothing, and it's just in a box there. If I need it to hold two gates closed, great, I got it. If I need to chain it across the driveway to keep somebody out, serves a purpose there too. It'll also mobilize a car really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Chains yeah, or even, tires. Even, yep. even to drag stuff. I mean, chain's a nice, uh, yeah, nice way to get, a, get around a log or whatever too. So. Right, right. <clears throat> Um, yep. Talked about the kind of parking the truck at the end of the road. Same thing goes at the end of the driveway. Maybe you got an old loader tractor or something like that. Uh, you could push a pile of dirt across the driveway. Um, other cheap, cheap solutions would be, uh, kind of talk to homemade spike strip. Maybe just take a piece of plywood, pound some nails in it, flip it upside down in the driveway and cover it in leaves. So I don't know anybody who's coming up the driveway, their plans are going to change when they get four blown out yeah, tires. All the for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's like thinking of how many buildings nowadays have uh, you know glorified spike strips across the places they don't want you to drive through, right? Right. Yep. 
And uh, last thing I was able to think about was uh, cattle panels. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those, but that's what I use for most of my fencing around here. Um, and that's just kind of a heavy gauge steel welded wire. Uh, comes in 16 foot lengths and uh, I guess the generic cattle panel, like six inch by six inch squares, about five feet tall. And then you can get hog panels, which are narrower at the bottom and not as tall. But uh, that stuff's heavy duty. Um, that'd be great to, same thing, block a driveway or funnel yeah. people in where you want them to go. Maybe yeah. even nail it across your door, go out there with some new, some new nails and just pound it in your door. Yeah. Think about there you go. There's lot, lots of options. Um, of course, prevention is better than cure, as always. Yep. Mm -hmm. keep, keep them off your property is a whole lot better than having to deal with them on your property. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure we missed a, a few things. We'll we'll hear about it. I'm sure. But <laughs> I would love to. I would love to hear about it. Let's. Yeah. I mean, tell tell me what we missed, right? We we love we love here. Yeah. Love the feedback. Um, I think uh, I think we've put every review that has come in in our in our show so far. So if you uh, if you want us to talk mm -hmm. about you, then uh, tell us what we're doing. If you like yeah. it, if you don't, that's, what we're, that's yep. what we're all here for is to get a little bit better and more prepared, right? And yep. learn some stuff on the way. Yep. Exactly. So I guess off to the podcast challenge then. So Alan, what do you got? Uh, at least rekey your deadbolts so that you know where uh, you know where all the keys are. You have control of all the keys, uh, and then upgrade if you can to BHMA. So that's the Builders Hardware Man Builders Hardware Manufacturers Association, uh, Grade One hardware for your locks. So that's the the heaviest grade. That's the institutional stuff. Um, the highest uh, the highest attack resistance. Um, consider planting some fast growing trees such as poplars or cedars to redirect intruders to where you want them to go. So actually, uh, yeah, it's a good point. Cause when I was in Ontario, uh, like I said, the, the backyard was barren when we moved in because the, they built the house and just knocked everything down. We put these, uh, trees called thieves poplars. So that's like spelled T H E V E. And, uh, they grew about eight feet a year. <laughs> and so within that's a few big. years, we had these 30 plus foot trees and they're this, you know, the, the stumps were about probably eight to 10 inches across after three years. And uh, they were they were like a rhizome, so they kept on like um, spreading through the ground of the root system, and a new tree would pop up like four or five feet later. And mm -hmm. uh, they were fast growing; they spread fast, and uh, hey, it's it's fuel for the fire too, right? But uh, I think they were maybe forty bucks mm -hmm. a tree, and, and we got like six of them, and they had the we had the backyard fence line covered right away. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, yes. worked well. Other than that, uh, let's see here. Well, for shout outs and e email iTunes reviews, we because uh, we're missing the boss band today, we uh, don't have any access to all that. So I'll just skip all that today, I guess. So if you did give us an, uh, an e if you did send us an email or give us a review, thank you. And we'll get to it on the next episode. Uh, now that I've just said that we uh, we talk about everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, we I mean, may, we may or may not be talking about you this week. I'll just get here. Uh, Encourage me if he's uh, if he's back or he's offline still next week, but we'll see what happens. But, yeah. Well, I guess that's pretty much it. So I guess we'll bring in episode forty-three of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can please help us out and take a few minutes to submit a review. It helps other people find us. You can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca and on Facebook. 
We record these shows on these shows on StreamYard, and we broadcast them live on Facebook, which is pretty cool now. Uh, if you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we are going live. Uh, that also applies for Facebook. So Facebook or YouTube, you'll see us live as we go. Uh, if you want to contact me directly, you can find me on Instagram at PPSWO. Right on. Well, so Tyler, where can we find you? Um, yeah, if you guys want to get a hold of me, I guess you can just email into the show and uh, they'll get you linked up with me. Happy to answer any homesteading, livestock related questions or, or if you're in the area and maybe wanted to chit chat, I'd be open to that as well. Yeah, actually, it was, it was a bit of a discovery from our part, too, as we discovered that 50% of our listeners right now are coming from the States. So we thought it was a good idea to get you on board anyway. So yeah. that, uh, there could be easily be somebody in your local area. Yeah, good deal. It'd be exciting to, to find out. So. Cool. Uh, well, if you need to reach me directly, you can uh, email me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast now and then. Also available on iTunes and YouTube. You can find us discussing more government waste, squirreling off on the odd firearms related banter, and exposing the daily loss of freedoms we're facing. So thanks for joining us and tune in for the next episode where we're going to be talking about cooking and power outages. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.